Hello, you're welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education from Onshot. Where are all the primary school teachers? If you were to ask any primary school teacher what the single biggest issue is in the primary education system, they would more than likely say class size. But that is up until recently, when if you asked them, they would probably say the shortage of substitute teachers, and never mind substitute teachers, teachers in, at all in the entire system, because there is a huge shortage of qualified primary school teachers within the system. Now, while this problem isn't new by any stretch of the imagination, it is certainly by far the worst it's ever been and is recently described in a survey as unprecedented. In this episode, I'm going to find out where are all these primary school teachers and if I were the Minister for Education, what I'd be doing to get them back. Hello, hello, you are very welcome to If I Were the Minister for Education, a regular podcast where I examine the world of primary education and I tell you what I would do if I were the Minister for Education. This is Simon Lewis speaking. Now, as I said, there is an unprecedented shortage of primary school teachers in Ireland, according to an Irish Times article a few weeks ago after a joint survey from the partners, otherwise known as the INTO, IPPN and CPSMA, that is the Irish National Teachers Organisation, which is a trade union, the IPPN, which is the network for uh, primary school principals and the CPSMA, which is the Catholic management body for schools, who tend to be the ones, they seem to get together every so often to do these surveys um, and to talk about issues of the day. And in fairness, this particular survey was a good one, which highlighted uh, once and for all, the huge shortage of teachers within the system, something we have known about for quite some time. But it revealed that in a very short period of time, there were over 800 teaching positions left unfilled at the moment in Ireland, and that was about to get worse. Now, I have linked to that article from the Irish Times on my blog, which you can find at simonmlewis.medium.com. And that article is called Unprecedented Teacher Shortages at Primary Level Hits Most Vulnerable Pupils. And that's by Carl O'Brien. Now, while the media were doing their best there to point out that it must be a single factor that's causing this, and that was the lack of housing options in urban areas, the issue came as no surprise to anyone who's been working in primary education. And in fact, we have been banging on about it for years. The first mention I can recall of the impending shortage of teachers was in a journal called, like a serious, I suppose, uh, re recollection of it, like where it was actually recorded uh, somewhere, you know, rather than just in a blog or on Twitter or somewhere, it was actually in a journal, was the Education Matters Journal back around 2014, almost 10 years ago. By 2016, schools were loudly complaining about the lack of qualified teachers, particularly a lack of substitute teachers, looking for panels and so on because there were not enough substitutes around. And the problem was finally acknowledged by Richard Bruton, who was the Minister for Education at the time in 2018, where he was supposed to do something about it, as was his successor, as was his successor since. And then and COVID came along and all the rest of it. Anyway, despite all of that, five years later, um, with a few sticky pasture solutions like allowing people to substitute while on career break or in a job share arrangement, the crisis has been allowed to deepen and deepen 
and get worse and worse. The only possible positive thing that was put in was the re-emergence of substitute panels, but they were too little, too late, and there aren't enough of them. We simply don't have enough teachers. Last year, the government decided the best course of action wasn't to actually do anything about it. It was to point the finger of blame at those selfish teachers on career breaks. And there was a flurry of media articles going on about, yeah, we need to stop those terrible teachers going off onto the Middle East and making loads of money out there when they should be at home wearing the green jersey and everything else. The trouble was there was somebody else who was on a career break at that time and it was, guess who? The Minister for Education herself. She is and was on a career break. So the subject got dropped very quickly when it turned out a lot of our politicians are on career breaks. And even that aside, if you looked at the numbers, the numbers didn't add up anyway. If you brought every teacher back who's on a career break, we still would have a massive shortage of teachers. But this year, they changed the finger pointing and the pointing went to the housing crisis in urban areas, which the government are still trying not to acknowledge. But even then, that's not the main problem because the issue isn't just in urban areas, although it is it is um, you know more, more focal to, uh, to uh, urban areas. Rural areas are still very short of teachers as well. This isn't just one simple problem. And because, as with most problems, it's always a little more complex than a single uh, issue. It's not just the, that uh, we have a housing crisis and people can't afford to live in Dublin because we aren't filling jobs outside of Dublin either. So the issue is much more complicated. And as I said, the issue has been going on for quite some time. And I'm, But if I had to, if somebody was to... Um, force me to sum up my reason, what I think the reason is. And my reason, I think, is that there aren't enough teachers because teaching is no longer the attractive and potentially vocational job that it once was. One major factor is that teaching no longer offers job security. In fact, it may very well be the most uh, important factor. One of the things I remember uh, when I qualified as a school teacher was it was expected that you would get a permanent job straight out of college. And if you weren't offered a permanent job straight out of college, there must have been something wrong with you. Um, Most people I know got a permanent job when they finished college. This is back in 2002, 2003, 2004, that kind of time and even beyond that. But the days of a permanent job just don't exist anymore. In fact, I was thinking about my own situation and we haven't advertised a permanent job I would say, for the bones of a decade. And it's kind of really strange. Why is that? Why do we not offer permanent jobs? Well, there's a couple of reasons for it. Um, And in fact, there's one reason for it. And that is the um, idea of the, uh, um, what you call a contract, contract of indefinite duration, the CID. And what a CID means is that you can have a a temporary job um, for two years. And if that temporary job becomes sustainable for a third year, you're entitled to that job. So that means that if you've been working in a temporary capacity for two years and your viable job is there, that's your job. That's one part of it. The other part of it is uh, the panel system, which allows people to build up days over a number of years and also get permanent positions uh, based on building up jobs. Basically, the the problem with this, and you know, some people will be fine with that, uh, but the problem with this is it isn't built uh, based on performance. 
Um, do, do, so you could be you could be a really good teacher and you could be covering for an temporary position for somebody who's job sharing, let's say. That's not considered a viable position for a contractor with indefinite duration. So even if you've been working every year uh, covering someone on a job share, basically you aren't entitled to a permanent position after the, to, after the three years because you're, you're not covering a viable position. The only viable positions that are allowed, I believe, are career breaks and secondments. So essentially, if you are a wise teacher, you're going to be looking for schools that are offering temporary positions covering career breaks or potentially secondments. Now, that's not that's not a very good system, to be honest. You should be getting, if you have to wait to get a permanent job, it shouldn't be based on the on look. It should be based on performance or they need to change the system completely. It's basically, it's do you get your to get a permanent position? It's solely about being in the right place at the right time. So essentially, as I say, uh, actually, a growing school is another place where you might be able to get one too. But that's sorry, I just thought of that one there as well. But moving on from that, there's that, that's not the only issue. Obviously, it's a big issue, but not the only issue because things have changed in the general workforce um, around around Ireland and around the world. And teaching is now competing with much more attractive jobs in terms of conditions. Teaching conditions have, I don't think anyone would argue that teaching is a much more difficult job than it was before. And also the conditions have worsened in the last 15, 20 years. It is not a cushy job that people thought, it, that once said it was. In fact, you, you hear more people saying, I could not do that job for love nor money anymore. And you would have, uh, you wouldn't hear that as often. You're hearing that more than you're hearing, uh, you're hearing people giving out about work, uh, about holidays and all the rest of it. But most workplaces now, um, as well as having good conditions, they're more flexible than they once were. So many similarly paid jobs uh, now allow workers to work from home for a number of days a week. Uh, that's very, very attractive to people with families, I would say, uh, than teaching. That means, you know, you can work from home on, on certain days, particularly let's say your child is sick. You might call your boss and say, look, I might I might work from home today. My child's sick in bed or whatever it might be. Um, and, you know, that's a very important kind of aspect that people probably don't think too much about. Um, other jobs as well have more flexibility in terms of working hours per week. So you can decide, you know, I'm going to work four days a week um, and, you know, maybe work 40 hours in those four days. Uh, rather than spreading it over five days. You certainly don't have that in teaching. Uh, you can also take your holidays whenever you want to. Uh, that can be very attractive for people as well. Teaching also offers very little in terms of promotion uh, or certainly promotional re rewards. Those sort of things uh, don't exist anymore. Uh, and not just financial rewards. Uh, I'm talking about responsibility. People, you know, I think there's studies done about what people want most uh, in terms of motivation and that's responsibility seems to be more motivating than money. Well, the money doesn't uh, is, is certainly uh, certainly helps, but it's not actually the money that people are, are more motivated by. It's actually the responsibility. And management positions were cut uh, in teaching during the recession uh, and well over a decade ago. And since then, there's really no sign of them all reappearing. A few of them came back, uh, about 52, 53% of them came back. Um, and that's, uh, you know, it's just not good enough. There also used to be incentives for further studies. So when I did my master's, there was uh, the... Um, chance of having extra um, extra money for as a reward for doing extra study, but that's all gone. Uh, you'd had extra money for working in a special school or in a Gwale school or teaching in particular communities uh, like island schools and things like that. But those allowances are all gone. There's no motivation to move on, to do better. And um, so again, 
that's something that might make teaching less of a um, less of an attractive proposition. And in fact, um, I remember there there was a study done in two thousand and four, I think, uh, on male teachers. Why there was a lack of male primary teachers, and actually the number one reason was lack of promotion. Uh, opportunities which was kind of interesting that was after one of the top reasons wasn't the top reason but one of the top three reasons another aspect that isn't mentioned very often is how people work these days um, this this is a let me explain what I mean by that because the Department of Education could be forgiven almost for scratching their heads because they say they train enough teachers every year we know that they, they know that a certain number of teachers retire Therefore, we need to bring in a number of teachers into training colleges and things like that. The problem is that like every other job uh, in the world, many young people, particularly young people, are not staying in one job for their entire career. That shouldn't be a surprising thing to say because, I mean, for example, when I became a teacher, I expected to be in the job until I retired. I still do. Um, I'm, I'm in the job over 20 years. I have about 15 years left. So I expect that to happen. But if I was coming out of college now, uh, the attitude of younger people, not all young people, but a lot of young people, is to have several jobs. There's no such thing as a career. It's jumping from uh, place to place. Uh, and uh, uh, there's much more entrepreneurialism uh, going on with teachers. They might try teaching out for a few years. They might go off into business for a couple of years, take a career bake or not, uh, and then come back to teaching later and so on. So this, it, this is quite normal uh, in every other job. If I mentioned a different type of job, uh, uh, like if you look at people who are qualified in technology, they might do a bit of technology in one company one year, jump to another company, jump to another company. They could have five or six different jobs in their first 10 years. So why why is it surprising that we are not, uh, when, we, when we only put in the, uh, a certain number of teachers into the system, why do we expect them to stay in the system? It's something that people don't really focus on at all. But I mean, I've met, uh, when I meet uh, people trying to sell me stuff, I suppose, as a principal of a school, uh, it's, it's amazing how many of them used to be teachers. Uh, I, I'm just thinking off the top of my head here of the last three or four people I've spoken to who are, uh, you know, working, in, let's say, either selling uh, services to schools, they're being consultants or whatever it might be. These, uh, I would say half of them were teachers and have moved out of teaching. And these are people in their 20s and early 30s. So that's something that uh, is, is I, I would say, isn't been taken account of. And I'd say the numbers are quite high in that regard. Um, but in any case, one might even ask, you know, as well, who'd actually want to be a teacher these days? I, I've come up with like, you know, lots of reasons, but who'd actually want to be a teacher? Because teaching is no longer a job that's actually education focused. That might seem very bizarre thing to say. It's slightly education focused. I won't say it's not education focused at all. Teachers spend so much time on things that aren't teaching uh, these days. There is ex hugely excessive bureaucracy. There is dealing with severe and often violent behavioural issues. And generally, I mean, if I can sum it all up, we're generally making up for the lack of services that are supposed to come from psychologists, social workers, speech and language therapists, occupational therapists, dietitians, and dare I say, even from parents. We are doing a lot of parenting. We only have to think of that smartphone ridiculous ban, uh, that Norma Foley. Uh, I just, I'm kind of laughing as I'm, as I'm saying it. I'm not over it a few, even a couple of weeks on that, you know, Norma Foley, instead of doing her actual job, which is involved in education, she decides to waste three days or four days or probably, oh God knows how many days, promoting this nonsensical, meaningless smartphone ban. Now, I just, I should say, um, 
this Micron band came from uh, the system, this scheme in Greystones in County Wicklow, and it was copied uh, in, in Waterford as well, where schools uh, took upon themselves to ask uh, the parents to voluntarily uh, sign a pledge not to buy their kids' fo- smartphones. Now, I think the hope of that, now I, I could be wrong in this, but I'm pretty sure I'm right here. The hope wasn't that Norma Foley would just merely copy this voluntary ban thing or this voluntary pledge idea. It would be that she would actually put in place policies that would ban smartphones for young people. But she didn't. She just basically robbed the idea of Greystones and Waterford and uh, essentially passed it on. Now, I don't, I, I, I have to say I didn't hear the schools complaining about that. So I'm just, uh, I suppose, guessing. And I know when you come up with an idea, look, I'm, I'm, I'm as egotistical as, as the next person. Um, you know, when I come up with an idea and if somebody takes it on as a national policy, I'm going to pretty much kind of go, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty pleased with myself. But I think, you know, I don't think uh, this idea started uh, with the voluntary ban. I think the idea was that, um, I think the idea really was that this would become policy and this was the foundation, this was the start, this was the step in the right direction. Anyway, I'm digressing because, as I said, isn't it mad that schools became basically I mean, if we look at this system, schools are organized, are, are trying to basically tell, uh, tell, do parenting, basically. We're basically saying, hello, parents, will you all come together and, and, and volunteer not to buy your kids a smartphone? Like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Um, it's, 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 it's amazing. I, I, I find it, I find it really, really weird. Uh, but anyway, we, uh, we will move on because uh, I, I will only start ranting again about smartphones and Norma Foley and meaningless things because teaching, as I said, is no longer about teaching. And of all the jobs out there, I can't name that many that are so derided by the general public and the media. Of all the jobs that are out there, I I, I just find um, teaching is, is, is just constant slagged off. I'd say, I'd say if you were to name jobs that are derided massively. I'd say solicitors is probably one, okay? I, I, I would imagine that's one. I'd say politicians, that's another. Like, you can't win as a politician. That's why, I mean, I always say, geez, as bad as, uh, as being, um, you know, being, being involved in the education system where you really can't win, politician, politics is even worse. I admire anyone who becomes a politician. Solicitors, I've less sympathy for. I, I, I mean, when, when you see what goes on uh, and what solicitors uh, uh, defend and what they charge for, 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 for doing, I, I'm less uh, sympathetic. I think, um, but anyway, uh, they're derided by the general public uh, and here I am deriding them myself. Uh, I'm not really, they do a fantastic job, I'm sure, um, when they are defending me. <laughs> so look, uh, but what am I, what, where am I at? Yeah, teaching is a profession that gets a lot of stick. Uh, and I've spent most of my career batting off, slagging about holidays and short days, despite my 50 plus hour working week and only two weeks off in the summer, I mean, I, which I'm very grateful for. But the level of teacher bashing in Ireland has reached desperate levels where, you know, basically often we're treated, you know, we're treated like a, like a very expensive babysitting service rather than a valuable and important educational service. And because schools are often the only service at all available to families because most of the other services have just, just aren't, aren't doing their jobs, teachers get much of the blame when things go wrong. So, for example, during the COVID-19 pandemic, the Department of Education didn't provide proper safety measures for schools and teachers rightly were anxious about going back into these very small crowded spaces where you had 30 children who came from 30 different houses, of which some of them probably had this virus that we knew very little about 
uh, it was killing people and the Department of Education had nothing in place. And of course, when teachers uh, felt uh, unsafe and, and, and campaigned vigorously not to go back to classrooms without safety measures, they were lambasted by the media and by parents, um, despite the fact that most of the people that were giving out weren't um, working in crowded places themselves. Um, I know people said, oh, what about nurses? What about supermarket people? They weren't sitting in a tiny room with 30 or 40 people in at the same time. They were huge and there were massive protective measures. So uh, it was just, it was a really weird because they not only were we derided for it, people didn't feel we deserved any protection either. It was very odd. For example, again, let's move on from COVID-19. When a school decides they have to shorten the school day for a pupil, this is something that was in the news as well. Rather than the Department of Education giving the child uh, the pupils themselves, what they actually need to stay in school, the blame is put on the teacher for not understanding the child's needs. And if you talk to any teacher, they'll tell you of a time where they spent months trying out dozens of different strategies, fighting for resources, advocating for services and losing nights and nights of sleep worrying about a child in their class and later to hear that child's parents saying the school did nothing, they didn't do a thing to help them. Sometimes the job can be very disheartening and it is making teachers sick. And I mean physically and mentally sick. And I'm not saying that to be melodramatic. The National Principals Forum has surveyed principals since 2019 and over 70% of principals have reported they have missed a significant amount of time from work due to illness as a direct result of the job. And if you don't believe the National Principals Forum, the IPPN's Job Sustainability Report backed it up a couple of years later with the principal position uh, being deemed twice as stressful as the general norm in the population. Uh, and teaching wouldn't be too far behind, I would suspect. And even with all of these issues, we still have lots of people that actually want to be teachers. And despite everything I said, I am one of those people. I love my job. I love working with some of the most creative people I know. That's teachers, staff, but also children. Children are incredibly creative people. They're, they're just, what they can produce is, can be so exciting. It's, 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 it really fills me with joy when I see children uh, in school coming in, uh, if they have a project set and what they will come up with is just unbelievable. I also love learning about my job. I love education. I love learning about how we can help children learn in new and innovative ways. I have a background in technology, as most of you know, and I love seeing what technology can do to make education a better place. For example, at the moment, I'm obsessing with artificial intelligence and I've come and I'm, and I'm really interested in seeing how that every day that changes things and how it changes the way we do things. I love the passion of teachers. I love seeing that passion and how it radiates in classrooms and how children blossom and succeed because of that passion. I love how teachers try out new things and I love how they take risks to get that eureka moment. I think if you ask teachers what the biggest sense of joy they get in their job is when they have been working for weeks, maybe months with a child and they finally grasp a concept that they have been doing everything in their power for them to grasp. And when they see that child, the light bulb moment, the eureka moment, that is pure joy. I love seeing the excitement and that pure joy of children learning something new, grasping that concept, getting that answer right. It is a great job in so many ways. 
And I have been in that uh, in, in this job for over 20 years and I have worked with hundreds of teachers and I have never met a single one. And I mean this absolutely genuinely. I've met, I've worked with the best teachers in the world. I've worked with the worst teacher in the world. But one thing I have known is I've never met a single one that didn't care about the children they taught. If nothing else, they cared about the children. And uh, if they weren't the best teacher, they made up for it with care and love. And the thing though is, however, there is no doubt that the job that we love is becoming more and more difficult. And as conditions continue to deteriorate, as ex- expectations become more and more unreasonable, as the trust in the profession declines, we might end up snuffing that spark that makes Irish primary teachers want to remain in teaching. To be honest, there are a lot of easier, higher paid jobs out there with better flexibility, better perks and better conditions. And if we do nothing else, we need to fight to keep them in the profession. I was asked uh, by Sarah McInerney on RTE Drive Time what I would do if I were the Minister of Education on this topic uh, and again, I've linked to that um, to that interview on the Medium blog. That's simonmlewis.medium.com. And I, to be honest with you, I wasn't happy with the answer I gave. <laughs> and I'm kind of making up for it now. I I kind of offered that we just need to oversupply the system with more teachers. That was kind of what I said. However, much like the reason we have a shortage of teachers, I don't think the answer could be reduced to that one solution. I suppose when you're pressed and you're under pressure on the radio, you try and simplify the solution to one solution. And especially the solution I offered, although it, it probably would be one aspect, we do need to oversupply uh, the system with more and more teachers. But for me, the main solution is not only to increase the number of teachers, we have to make the conditions of the job better. It means giving children and teachers the resources that they need. For example, Ireland has the largest class sizes in the European Union, and one of the very few countries in the European Union that doesn't even have teaching assistant positions in the classroom. If you go to most other countries, you will find that not only is there a teacher in a classroom of about 20 children, there is also a teaching assistant in there who helps out uh, the teacher um, in any way possible. And instead, what we get, instead, what we get um, is one teacher for very large class sizes. And you can't, you can't do the best job possible in that sort of situation. I envy those other countries. Um, for example, we have a huge rise in additional education needs in classrooms without the necessary support. So we simply need the children who have additional needs. It's not the children's fault they have additional needs, but we need them to get the supports they require. And instead, what the what the uh, NCSE uh, uh, have been doing is they have reduced and cut those supports by self the NCSC, I, I, I say, I always say this, they used to be a very good service. When I started teaching, if you had a kid with additional needs in your class and needed an SNA, they would get an SNA. No questions asked. It was it was just simple as that. Uh, these days, it's it's nigh impossible, you know, to get um to get for a child to get the supports they need. Um, and you and 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 it's a kind of funny. The culture has even changed uh, in that even ten years ago, if you said to a parent, look. I'm sorry, I just the, the system is just the way it is. It's terrible. They would kill you. They'd be they'd be really cross at you. But now even parents know, oh, sure, it's possible to get an SNA, isn't it? Isn't it awful? Isn't it terrible? Terrible. And it is terrible. And it's not right. And we should be angry again. Um, as I said, we're, all we're done now is we're given these skeletal supports and we're told to prioritize the greatest need. Essentially, make sure that 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 means 
when you're telling uh, when you're being told to prioritize the greatest need it means pick uh, who you're not going to be supporting I could go on the one thing we can't afford to do though uh, if we if I was the Minister for Education is exactly what the government has been doing since 2014 when the issue of teacher shortages was first raised and that is to do absolutely nothing which is exactly what they've been doing so if I were the Minister for Education I would stop banging on about smartphones and I would start being smart about keeping teachers within the system. We have to make sure the conditions for primary school teaching remain or become high. They've been deteriorating for over a decade and we need to improve them as much as possible because if we don't treat our teachers with dignity, they won't stay in the system. There are much easier ways.